Hello and thank you for joining this service for the week after Easter Sunday, but still part of our celebrations of the risen Christ. Let's thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done as we join together in this prayer from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Blessed are you, Sovereign Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To you be glory and praise forever. From the deep waters of death you brought your people to new birth by raising your son to life in triumph. Through him dark death has been destroyed and radiant life is everywhere restored. As you call us out of darkness into his marvellous light, may our lives reflect his glory and our lips repeat the endless song, Blessed be God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are celebrating the resurrection, of course, and this is a great song sung by a very famous rock musician, Steve Winwood. But it's a traditional song, Now the Green Blade Riseth. And it just reflects on the fact that just as in spring we look around us and we, we see the new shoots, so God has brought new life into being by raising Christ from the dead. Now the green blade riseth. Our hearts are wintry, 
So, here's our first reading from Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would one day place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. 
So now our second reading from John's Gospel, very famous passage. Chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. So, Doubting Thomas. Fancy going through life with that attached to your name. I had various nicknames when I was a kid, uh, some of which were to do with my girth. Some of them were to do with my uh, name, of course. I suppose the one that's most stuck is just Wildy. Even my wife calls me that. But Doubting Thomas, glad I haven't got that name. But, you know, the overriding message of this story for me is that it's okay to doubt. The Bible is full of writings which reflect people who were faced with overwhelming and inexplicable troubles and who cried out to God for understanding and assurance. Why should we be any different? On this second Sunday of Easter... Our theme should be one of celebration and victory. And we must make, we don't, make sure we don't lose hold of that in the midst of our sorrow and confusion about all the events going on in the world. The disciples were fearful, sorrowful, confused. Has Jesus really risen? What's happening here? We can identify with that mix of feelings. In the midst of of the confusion and uncertainty, Jesus appears. He brings peace 
He breathes the spirit into them, a foretaste of the power that would come upon them uh, just a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost. It's the spirit who will comfort, interpret the words of Jesus and the events of their lives in a way that makes sense. Whatever the future may hold, and it would be death for many of them, most of them, they knew that God was with them. Except for Thomas, he wasn't there. Doubting Thomas. It's a bit unfair that he's been labelled that way by history. How was he any worse than the rest? Peter had disowned Jesus three times. We don't call him disowning Peter. All the others had fled. Two had given up. And left Jerusalem to go to Emmaus to get away from it all. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there on the first night. But he was certainly still around. And he heard the report from the others. Maybe he feared that his expectation of death was going to happen. If you look at John chapter 11. he, Amongst all the things that Jesus is saying. Uh, Thomas is the one who says. Well let's go to Jerusalem. And die with him there. Maybe he wanted to be alone in his grief. The vision of the dead Jesus was still fresh in his mind. Hence the, the reference to the nail prints and the, the sword wound. He'd expected death. But nothing else. He was sceptical about what they said. Wouldn't we be? He wanted first-hand proof. And then doubting Thomas becomes believing Thomas. Jesus met him in his doubts. He offered him his wounds to see and touch. He was ready to be forbearing, to be gentle with the unbelief of Thomas. Surely Jesus understood the magnitude of this event and the impact it would have on his followers. I'm sure he wasn't totally surprised that there were those who found it hard to believe. In Luke we see that when he first met with his disciples after the resurrection, he deliberately showed them his hands and his feet. On another occasion, he ate fish with them. He wanted them to be sure that this was not just a vision or a ghost. And Thomas was convinced. If Jesus did this for Thomas, surely he'll likewise meet us in our doubts. And then believing Thomas becomes confessing Thomas. He declares Jesus as my Lord and my God. In the beautifully constructed Gospel of John, this is the climax. John chapter 1 verse 1 declares that the word Logos was God from the beginning and came into the world. Gradually through miraculous signs, teachings and events, we see the unveiling of the word to the world and we glimpse his purpose. Part of the unfolding story is seen through the acclamation and the realisation of characters in that story. This is something that John uses as a way of carrying it forward. John the Baptist 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Nathaniel, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. The woman at the well. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Martha, I believe that you are the Christ who is to come into the world. And finally, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. This is the climax. It's followed by John's comment that these things are written to enable people to believe and to go on believing because it was written first for Christians. So it was encouraging them to continue believing. And of course it does the same for us. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, first of all, I see an encouragement. Doubting Thomas, he wasn't alone. Extraordinarily, even at the ascension, it says some doubted. No wonder we 2,000 years later experience doubts. Jesus deals with us as he dealt with Thomas by revealing himself to us. And I see an opportunity. We can be among the blessed who have not seen yet believe. When Paul the Apostle writes in Corinthians about the resurrection appearances, he says something quite remarkable. After listing all the appearances to the various different people, he adds, then finally he appeared to me. He counts his revelation of Christ on the Damascus road as being equivalent to the physical appearance to the disciples. So we're not so different. Blessed are those who have not seen the physical evidence, but have believed to whom Christ has revealed himself in his resurrection glory, not in a physical way, but in faith as we receive him. There's no proof for us, just the evidence of faith. Do I have proof that my wife loves me? Not really. I've got evidence. She hasn't left me. She looks after me. She tells me she loves me. The fact is, I believe in her love for me and I live my life in that faith. And the longer we're together, of course, the more certainty I have. Our faith in Christ is based on our relationship with him and the difference it makes to our lives. C.S. Lewis, the famous writer, has an inscription on his tomb in Westminster Abbey. I believe in Christianity as, as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When we have the light of Christ, the world does look different. We are enabled to interpret what's going on around us. We have that sense of rightness that God puts in our hearts in the midst of all the horrors and all the difficulties and all the trials and all the temptations. Somehow at the core, we know that the sun has risen in our hearts. And then I see a challenge. Now, 
this is interesting because when we were in India, we travelled down to Chennai, used to be called Madras. It's funny, you can get a Madras curry, but you can't get a Chennai curry. They didn't change that name. And there in uh, a big cathedral is allegedly the tomb of Thomas. Was he the apostle to India? It's not proven, but it's very strongly believed across India. And there are many stories attached to his coming to India and to his martyrdom on a hill just outside Chennai. But whether it's a legend or whether it really is true that he was the apostle to India, it's a strong illustration of what the disciples did with their knowledge of Jesus and his resurrection. They went into all the world to preach the gospel. The challenge to me is what will I do with my faith in Jesus? What difference will it make to me and to how I live my life? And how will it energize me to reach out to those who don't know the truth of the gospel of the resurrected Christ? Amen. Now, I was so impressed with Thomas that I wrote a song about him. So here's my song, Thomas the Doubter. their fishing boats to journey on Matthew the taxman leaving wealth behind travelling onwards new life to find Philip Bartholomew Simon and Jude Thaddeus and then the one who proved untrue Ten faithful followers for all to see Judas who betrayed him and then there's me Thomas the Doubter is my name Doubting will always be my fame I bear the title, I bear the shame Love he spoke, reaching the kingdom to the common folk, healing and blessing all the ones in need. Lame men were leaping and the captives freed. Huddled in panic in the boat was I, Jesus asleep until he heard. 
I saw the sea becoming calm and still Wind waves and the weather all obeyed his will Thomas the Doubter is my name Doubting will always be my fame I bear the title, I bear the shame Go with him to Jerusalem, said I That is the place where we all will die Nailed to the cross he was and laid to rest Loved one another was his last request I needed silence to absorb my pain could I ever know he'd rise again? Thomas, he's risen, was a sudden word Outside the moment that mother's My heart too full to believe the truth Show me the wounds, I said Unflinching Jesus by my side Evidence that never could be denied Blessed are you believing what you see Or blessed the sightless who believe in me Thomas the doubter now no more But Thomas the servant of the Lord I saw him risen and I am sure no more Thomas the doubter So let's pray. As we think of Thomas, the one who maybe went to India and the other disciples who went into all the world. Let's pray for the world. Lord, that's a big thing to pray for. The world is such a big place. It's such a complex place. It's so hard to live in sometimes. We're bombarded and bewildered by such a range of thoughts, ideas, challenges, difficulties and horrors. 
Lord, help us to take hold of a thread through the middle of it all and to ask that in all things that happen in this world, you will be sovereign, that you will work out your purposes, that the Lion of Judah who rose from the grave and is now enthroned on high will indeed be merciful to this world. You gave your life for this world, Lord, and in some mysterious eternal sense you are still giving your life for the world you are still devoting your attention and your uh, your love and your care to seeing us through to a place where there is a new heaven and a new earth and where the earth is filled with the glory of god we pray that that day will come soon we pray, Lord, for those who struggle. For those who struggle physically with, with illnesses, with poverty, with hunger, with war, with fear. Lord, we pray for your presence in all and around all hum humanity, Lord. We think of particular people within our orbit who need your touch and we pray for them but Lord we know that your heart is much bigger than our prayers can ever be and we ask you that you will love this world and that you will rule it with justice in Jesus name we pray that this Easter, our hearts will be renewed with the knowledge of your resurrection, that you will come to life again in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, and that that resurrection life will flow to those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as we finish this short time together, Let's listen to the hymn, I Know That My Redeemer Lives, which just lists some of the benefits and some of the glories that we have in our lives now and we have to look forward to because of the certainty of the resurrection of Christ. And may his blessing go with us through this week. Amen. <laughs>